You're listening to Stories of Hope, a Bible discovery podcast. Hi, Amy. Hey, Casey. How are you doing? Doing really well. I'm ready to jump back into recording. Yeah. So if you're just now listening to this podcast uh, and you've just been going through the series, um, we're saying that because uh, we kind of took a break. Took a uh, summer break. We took a summer break with our kids. I mean, we still had some work and some things to do, but um, our recording schedule got all kinds of messed up. <laughs> but we're back. So today we are picking up with the sixth sign from the book of John, and it's when Jesus heals a man born blind. We are going to be in John chapter 9, and we're going to read the first seven verses. Yep. So you're reading this time, right? Yes, I believe it's my turn. I'm going to go ahead and read through the first seven verses, like I already said, and then we will start discussing this story. As Jesus passed by, he saw a man blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, It was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. So the man went and washed and came back seeing. That's great. Okay, so I'm supposed to retell it in my own words, and I can do that starting at the beginning of the story. So Jesus walked by, and he saw a man who had been blind from birth, and his followers, his um, apprentices asked him, teacher, um, in this situation, who messed up? Was it um, this man or did his parents, um, was, did God do this because he knew this guy was going to be a sinner or because his parents messed up and that he was born blind. And Jesus answered, it was not because this man or his parents sinned, um, but so that the works of God, um, and the, or in another place I've read the glory of God, um, can be shown in this man. Um, we must do the works of of the one who sent me while it is, while it's still light because the darkness is coming when no one can work. And as long as I being Jesus am in the world, I am the light of the world. Um, and after he said this, he, or while he was saying this, he spit on the ground and made mud out of the dirt um, with his, own with his spit and he um, put the spit mud <laughs> on this man's eyes and told him to go wash off in um, a nearby pool called Siloam. and so the man got up and washed the mud off of his face and when he did he came back seeing that, that that's a bit of unusual way for Jesus to heal somebody. Yeah. Um, what would you think if somebody said, I'm going to now make some spit mud and stick it on your eyes? <laughs> Especially since we know from the previous stories in this series that he can he can heal a dying person um, with a word from from miles away and from kilometers away. And he in this case, he um, got really up close and personal 
That's interesting. <laughs> okay, so uh, we've read the story. Mm-hmm. We've paraphrased the story. Mm-hmm. And uh, our next step always is to ask the same questions of the story. Uh, and so the first thing that we want to look at is, is there anything that might be unclear here? Is there some information that mm-hmm. needs to be added to the conversation? Mm-hmm. Um the only thing that I can think of is where did this happen? Yeah. Um, so the pool of Salem was actually rediscovered or the ruins of it were discovered in the end of 2004 um, to confirm that, yes, it is this place that was in the um, oldest part of Jerusalem, what's called the city of David, which is in the southern part of the city and really close to the temple. But these pools were a normal part of Jewish culture. Um, ritual cleaning and um, healing pools were definitely a part of daily life in Jerusalem at that time. Okay. Can you think of anything else that might be unclear in this story? Um, actually, I can't. Can you? No, this is a pretty straightforward narrative. Mm-hmm. Um, so now that we have the setting, mm-hmm. um, that will become important uh, when we look at this story again in the future. Yes. Because Jesus also makes a very bold claim in this story. Right. He says, I am the light of the world. And so we are going to explore what that means in a future series. Yes. But this time we're going to focus on what he does rather than what he says. So what does this passage say about God? The first thing I think we see is God. And in this instance, uh, we're going to say Jesus. Mm -hmm. Uh, Jesus as the Son of God. We are keeping him in the same regard as God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. We see activity here. Mm -hmm. We, We don't see a God who is standing apart from his creation, who is just allowing whatever to unfold. Mm-hmm. Um, he's not just a great watchmaker who wind, uh, winds the whole thing up and sets it off. Mm-hmm. He's actually active in his creation. Mm-hmm. And so we see that activity. We see that God sees this man's plight. He, it would have been very, very difficult to be blind or handicapped in Jesus's days. He would have been reduced to begging. He had no other form of income that we can see here. Mm-hmm. And he met him in his distress. Mm-hmm. And even though he's pointing out something new to his students, at the same time, he's healing the man. Right. And I think this also harkens back to the Genesis creation story when he's talking about this man was um, created to, um, show the works of God. And I think, um, back when, um, when God was creating, he's made man and woman in his image to reveal his glory. And in this case, this handicapped man is also created to create for his glory. And I also think it's interesting that Jesus brings the, the dust aspect that we are, um, you know, refers multiple times in the Old Testament that man is made from the earth. And in the case of remaking these man's eyes, he brings in that, um, that dust, that dirt element. Okay. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's active, he's moving, his Mm -hmm. fingers are involved. Mm -hmm. 
parts of himself are involved. I mean, he mm-hmm. spits on the ground. Mm-hmm. It's a, the, he, it reminds me, like you said, in the Secretion account, you know, the first time he made man, mm-hmm. he breathed life into him. Mm-hmm. This time he's still using that aspect that he's physically involved, that he is intimately involved with mm-hmm. the, the details of this man's life with spit mud. <laughs> with spit mud. <laughs> What's uh, what else do we see here about God? What what is his attitude? I mean, as I said before, um, that he seems to refer to this man. He rejects the idea that this has anything to do with a karma type situation. That this man doesn't have a more difficult life because of something that he or his parents have done, um, but rather he sees them as him as an equal. That he creates each person each. Um, diverse person as a way to show God's glory, to show God's works. Um, And yeah, I think that that really shows that God sees people who um, that, that humans may see as broken or somehow less than, and he seems to see him as an, as an equal. Well, at the same time, in this case, he, um, he does make him more whole. Um, He doesn't, it doesn't seem to be, um, directly related to any kind of sense of karma. So when you say he sees him as an equal, you don't mean he sees him as an equal to himself. No, I, as an equal to any other person that he has mm-hmm. created. Yeah. yeah. I think that's an important distinction. Mm-hmm. Um, Jesus did come into our situation. He understands our situation, but he's also God. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Jesus doesn't see this man as less than like he's not some other class of human that cannot access or have that relationship with him exactly it seems like his um, physical attributes are um, a detail to god that he can he can give or take away um pretty freely um but it's it's huge to us as humans but but to him um he seems to be an equal standing to other humans. To other humans. Yeah. Okay. So the next question is, is there a sin here in this particular narrative, something we need to touch upon that is either forbidden, uh, you know, that we shouldn't do because mm-hmm. uh, it's against the law or character of God or something that we've neglected to do? I think in this case, it's actually an example of people seeing sin where there is no sin, um, that people they have moralized being physically handicapped and God and Jesus in this case is like um no this is an opportunity to show God's works and so yeah I think it's actually an example of when people give moral value to something that God does not yeah this man was born blind and so the the question was immediately okay so who messed up the Mm -hmm. man or Mm -hmm. the parents and Jesus said that's not what this is about. Mm-hmm. Now, I believe it's entirely possible for a person to receive in their body the fruit of their sin, mm-hmm. what we call natural consequences. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if a person is doing something foolishly and they injure themselves, it's entirely possible that that's a direct result of something sinful. Mm-hmm. But to say that somebody was born with a handicap mm-hmm. and that that somehow immediately points to 
a sin, mm-hmm. Jesus is directly refuting that here. Right. There's a lot of worldviews that see when things go wrong, they try to give a moral um, reasoning behind it. If you had been a better person, this would not have happened. And in this case, God is, and, and Jesus is saying, no, that's not the case. Sometimes bad things, or what we see as bad things, are actually just diversity in creation. Um or it might be something that's way more complicated than our human brains can understand that it is because sin exists in the world, but it is not a direct result of, you can't say A plus B equals C. It's the formula of the way creation works is way more complicated than that. Okay. And I think kind of tied into this, um, we're we're also looking at this uh, from the aspect of are there any promises here mm-hmm. that are either given specifically here or fulfilled maybe elsewhere, mm-hmm. um, and so connecting to what you just said, there's not a promise that a, a person who is born whole mm-hmm. is somehow less sinful right. than a person who is perhaps born with some sort of physical handicap or ailment, mm-hmm. and then vice versa. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, we see, well, maybe not vice versa, but we do see something fulfilled here. And we right. were talking about this before the we started recording. Can Right. We, um, it's really easy to look at the human side of this and see, okay, is this a sin? Is this not a sin? Is this a promise fulfilled? But wait a minute. Jesus just healed a man, and this was promised that the Messiah would heal people. And this is a perfect example of Jesus showing that he is the long-awaited promised Mm -hmm. one. Yeah, this harkens back to Isaiah 35, Mm -hmm. where it talks about that the lame will walk and the blind will see. Mm -hmm. And... In fact, Jesus directly pulls this out um, when his cousin John, the baptizer, mm-hmm. is doubting what is going on. He's in prison and you know, he's going through this very terrible experience and he sends word, are you really the one? Mm-hmm. And he said, report back to John mm-hmm. that the lame walk and the blind see. Exactly. And so there is a promise in play here. Mm-hmm. But it's the fulfillment of a very old promise. A very old promise that has much bigger implications than whether someone is handicapped or not. It's showing that Jesus is making a new creation and he is making our creation new. And part of that is that um, there seems to be a physical renewal as well. Do you see an example here either to be followed or to be avoided? Well, the easy one, some of the easier ones is that when Jesus did the weird thing, the man trusted him and obeyed him instead of being like the more natural thing, which would be to be completely thrown off by what this guy is doing and push him away. He chose to trust and obey in Jesus. And that is a great example of a person who is showing basic faith in Jesus. Another example um, that I think um, anybody who is a follower of Jesus can see with Jesus followers is that when they saw a situation that didn't that that they thought that they knew the answer for, but they didn't assume they turned to their to their Lord and said, um, is this really what's going on? Did this man sin? Did the parents sin? Like what's going on? with this person and what is what is you what do you think about that and so often we look at 
the questions in life and we look at um, what other people are saying, but we should always be turning to God and saying, what is your perspective on this? Because often man looks on the outside, but God looks at the heart. He sees the heart of this blind man and sees him as another human being. And if we want to get past our own prejudices, if we want to get past our own limited understanding, we have to go to the creator who can see people's hearts. So yeah, there, there really were only three characters in this part of the story. Mm-hmm. There was Jesus, his disciples who posed the question, mm-hmm. and the blind man who was, I hate to reduce him to an object lesson, but he really only participates out of faith mm-hmm. at this part of the story. Right. And so you have Jesus doing something wonderful mm-hmm. and his students being the example of this questioning they bring the story of their culture and their worldview to bear. And then you have the example of, like you said, the blind man who just believed and obeyed. Yeah. He physically did the obeying part. Yes. All right. So are there any commands in this particular story? Well, Jesus does give an, an a command to the man to go wash himself but I think it's interesting that even the pool itself means sent. And Jesus says that he, that we are supposed to do the works of the one who sin, sent him. That there's this idea of that we go with Jesus to do the works that God tells us to do. And part of that was this, um, this healing and also setting the record straight that this man um, was not a sinner for, for being handicapped. What about just the simple commands of go and wash? Yeah, I mean, yeah, go for it. Talk about it. I mean, faith, as we've said, it's it's this belief in action. Mm -hmm. And the first steps, the first faith steps that anybody takes Mm -hmm. is simple actions. It's Mm -hmm. simple changes. And, you know, this is a man who... it would have been interesting if he'd heard what Jesus said and he wanted to analyze what he said and have a Bible study about what Jesus said. And he did all of these things and then never actually went and washed. Mm-hmm. They, there is something said here for being able to hear and understand mm-hmm. and, and versus hear and obey. Absolutely. I mean, he could have said, Jesus touched me, De- Jesus touched me and never actually been healed. Exactly. And so what we see here, both in in the instance of the man obeying Jesus, but also Jesus obeying the Father, is the hearing and the doing, Mm -hmm. not the hearing and the analyzing, Mm -hmm. not the hearing and the book study. (laughs) It's the hearing and the doing. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Any other commands here? When I look at this, I can't think of anything specific that maybe harkens back to something in the Old Testament here. Um, mm-hmm. But do you, can you think of anything, other commands, obvious commands that are coming into play here? I mean, again, this is Jesus being the Messiah. He's going among the people. He's teaching the good news of the gospel, but he's also healing the blind. Um, and yeah, he's doing the work of the Messiah. He is being the sent one. And I think it's interesting that he uses the plural to kind of invite us into his 
ministry. And he says, well, I am here. I am the light of the world. And again, later he'll say, now you are the light of the world. It's kind of this, the beginning of the invitation to not be the Messiah, but to be his ambassadors in the world. All right. So what do we learn about humanity here? What do we learn about man? We have a tendency to think um, that if this, then that, um, and this, you know, um, cause and effect kind of thing that's oversimplified, especially um, when it comes to judging others. Mm-hmm. Um, we try, we want to come up with a simple explanation that makes us feel better about ourselves and maybe, you know, a little bit higher than others. Um, yeah, I think of a lot of different worldviews where, um, this kind of thinking happens into a place where it's like codified into a religion or just, um, a code of ethics, um, that Christianity stands in contrast to your true Christianity, what Jesus said and did, um, is, is contrasted with that, um, he shows mercy when we deserve judgment. He shows grace, um, in situations and, um, that, that man tends to, um, either want to ignore and pretend like it's not a sin or, um, or they judge others and push them away and make them feel less than human, um, for, for being different. I think that there's also that whole being different thing that we, um, we tend to moralize people's differences or tend to judge people's differences, whether physically, um, like whether they're handicapped or if they're the tone of their skin, um, their accents, um, you know, different markers that we as humans look on the outside and we say, oh, you're different than me. Um, again, going back to the contrast between humans and God who sees the heart. He sees um, every human as an expression of his own image and um, they're created for the purpose of showing the glory of God. Yeah. I also see here, um, I think more of us probably should be identifying with the blind man mm-hmm. uh, than, than maybe we think uh, because all of us need healing. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes it is physical. Sometimes it's mental, but we all need spiritual healing. Yeah, I'm not. I hope I'm not pulling too much of an analogy or an allegory into mm-hmm. this, but you know, we see man's need here for healing, mm-hmm. um, and somehow, like you, you've you've touched on it, when when we can group ourselves together mm-hmm. uh, as everybody with all their limbs and all their eyes, and mm-hmm. we can all walk, and you know, okay, and that kind of normality is like, okay, we're we're the normal ones. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if you look like us, you must be doing it right. And Mm -hmm. and then if any kind of diversity or any kind of handicap is like, Oh, well that's different. And it's Mm -hmm. off putting, but there is something universal about the fact that we all need healing. Right. And at some point in all of our lives, we need some level of healing. Yeah. And if we think that we are so much better off than another because of a slight difference, that shows how much we think of ourselves um, as this epitome of the height of creation when God is so much greater than us and he is physically so much more perfect than us. And we are all 
rather pathetic compared to him. Um, so for us to get puffed up and proud over a small difference, it just shows how small our vision of the world is. Yeah. I guess maybe a, a bow we can tie on this. Mm-hmm. I was just thinking, but people with handicaps, mm-hmm. people without what we perceive to be handicaps, mm-hmm. both are just as precious to God. Absolutely. I mean, I think that as a person who stri- who who has a chronic illness that I don't think God will ever take away. I I will have good days and bad days and I will try to keep my healthiest, but it will always be what Paul called a, a with his problem, whatever it was, a thorn in your flesh. Um I'm I take comfort in the passage from 2 Corinthians um, it's four sixteen for those who want to know, but um, it talks about that though we waste away on the our, our outer selves waste away daily, our inner selves are being renewed, and I think that that is a promise and a um, a hope for those who don't um, have it easy or they do have a struggle, um, which is all of us actually um, that we can have the hope that that God is renewing us day by day. So let's move forward and go on to our third third, um, which when we organize format um, our conversations, we um, normally in trainings, we look back, then look up, which is when we do the scripture study, and then we look forward. And so um, the the third third. Personally, just like groups of three. Right? They just feel good. Um, Anyway, so we're looking at what we're going to move forward with this passage and with the conversation that we're having, I like to always ask, why would you share this story? Um, I don't ever want to read the Bible and just keep it to myself because if I find truly find hope and a purpose through the word of God, I don't want to keep it to myself. I want to share it with somebody else. But why, why would I share this particular passage or why would you share this particular passage with someone? I would share this passage with somebody who is seeking healing, but maybe things aren't working out like they thought they should. You know, we Mm -hmm. hear so many interesting things from so many different kinds of churches about what you should expect God to do for you, the the kinds of healing that you should expect from God. And it doesn't always work out the way we think. Mm. And then there's also some, there's some hanging on even within the Christian church of the idea that there's something to blame. Um, And I... I don't, I don't find that in the scriptures, especially in, and here, this story is a case in point. So if someone is, is going through a rough time or they, um, start, if I hear a friend blaming themselves for something that's clearly not their fault, but they feel like some kind of karma kind of thing has happened where, oh, I must have done something in the past, or even if they don't have a Christian enough worldview to believe that, you know, they might believe in reincarnation even and like, oh, in a past life, because they can't think of a reason, a logical reason, but they're, they're kind of like, there has to be a reason because I have to have someone to blame for this. Um, here is a passage where Jesus confronts that mentality and says, no, this, this is not a place to blame somebody for something bad happening. This is a place to look forward to see what God is going to do in it. Yeah, I agree. Um, one of the most important aspects of the gospel is that God is in the business of restoring 
there there was so many things broken because of the fall of man that the nature of things just isn't what it's supposed to be. Right. And so Jesus, in his mission of coming to rescue the people, we also are seeing the beginning of this restoration, that the broken things are being put back together, that the... uh, not and I don't mean just physically broken things. You right. know, I'm talking spiritual, mental. We are at the beginning mm-hmm. of brokenness being put back together. Right. Yeah, I would agree with that. And um, when dealing with this situation, when dealing with this situation where you don't, you see your own limits as a human being. Um, sometimes can be quite humiliating um, and frustrating. But in this case, um, in this story, God is showing that we should be looking to him rather than, um, you know, staying where we're at. And that doesn't necessarily mean that he's going to fix the said problem. He's going to go to the deeper problem, our soul problem. Um, But, that's one of those things that when you become a believer, you start changing your perspective on, you stop looking on the outside so much and you start looking at the heart like Jesus does, like God does. So like I suffer for chronic illness. And so I am, I have that conversation with people a lot. Um, and some, on days like today where things are a little bit harder, um, it's easy to get locked into the here and now and the frustrations and pain, um, of our current suffering. But we have, because of what you're saying that Jesus is already in the re renewal, um, process. He, he has defeated sin and death on the cross and he resurrected as the first, one of the resurrection, um, we can look forward to that. We know that we can step into that process of renewal in Jesus healing the blind man. He's not only saying that he's worth worth as much as any other person to show the glory of God, but that in actually in showing that healing, he is showing the process of how he is making the whole creation new. Well said. All right. So Do you remember what the last sign in our series is? Well, I'm really looking forward to this because this is the ultimate. I mentioned resurrection um, as part of why we put our faith in Jesus. Um, Because we're not just healed. We are not just made well like these other signs, which are incredible incredible, but he actually raises the dead to life. And I don't know about you, but without Christ, I would feel dead because I'd be separated from my creator. And that's the reality of it. But in this case, when Jesus raises his friend Lazarus, we get to see the very first glimmer of the true resurrection. But not everybody was happy about it. That's true. All right. Well, join us next time for the last sign that we're going to look at in the book of John. There's actually quite a bit more going on in the book of John. And as we wrap up this series, uh, we are also introducing another series, the seven I am statements. So 
All right. I'm Casey. This I'm is Amy. Amy. <laughs> yeah. We'll do it again. I'm Casey. I'm Amy. Thanks for joining us today. Bye. You've been listening to Stories of Hope, a Bible discovery podcast. For more information, please visit our website at www.bible-erkunden.de forward slash hope. 